Thank you, Arizona, for joining us on this Memorial Day weekend. In Law Matters wants to acknowledge all our service members and their families for all the sacrifices they made while protecting our country. And remember, while you celebrate with family and friends, do not drink and drive and do not drink and drag race. On the phone, it's nice to have a sheriff who won't let me down. On the phone, we have Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Sherry. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, I, I understand that you've got a, a deputy down there that went above and beyond the, the badge. Can you tell us about him? Yes, and I appreciate you, this program that you have, Sherry, for the Above and Beyond program. And uh, the deputy I want to recognize today is Deputy Carl Lammer. He's one of my detectives that works in my street crimes unit, also a canine handler. And uh, prior to coming to the Sheriff's Department, he spent a, a term or uh, time in the Coast Guard. And then he came to uh, us in 2014, been with us seven years. And, uh, and like you said, he's He's a, one of those deputies that he's well-rounded, a good family, his wife Amanda and their two children. Uh, they, um, he goes out there and he spends extra hours just getting the job done, working the mission. And, uh, and I'll tell you, his big focus, Sherry, is taking the drug dealers, those swinging dope, into our schools, our communities, and our families, and, our, and, he, and he goes after them. And he does such an amazing job doing that. And you look at in this country, 220 people die every day of drug overdoses. Yeah. So you can see the importance of what he does. So, yeah, he, and I can give you some stats here in a minute, but he has just gone above and beyond as a Cochise County Sheriff's deputy when it comes to uh, going after the drug dealers. Give us some stats. I want to hear it because I don't think people realize just how huge this problem is. Well, uh, over last year, uh, he's worked several international cases. These are transnational criminals that bring drugs into our country. So he has taken a uh, very valiant role in going after them. So he did an investigation that led to 750 M30 fentanyl pills. I mean, and that was involved in two different search warrants that connected into the Pima County area where we had a drug dealer down here in our area that led to a drug dealer up there that actually led into a uh, drug overdose that was being investigated by the Pima County Sheriff's Department and DEA. Uh, So again, it was a very, very good case on that. He seized $24,000 in cash over last year, uh, 244,000 uh, grams of hash, 300, uh, 3,000 grams of heroin, 56 grams of meth, another 25 grams of M30 pills, of fentanyl pills. He arrested 86 uh, different drug people and, and criminals off the street. And again, He's truly making that community difference down here in my county and beyond in the state of Arizona. And, uh, and thanks to deputies like him and law enforcement like, like him that are truly honoring the badge and what they do, I can't say enough about them. Think of all the lives they saved. Just with that, what you're talking about, all the lives that were saved. People, people die daily, like you said, using drugs. And if we can get these drugs off the streets, we're going to be saving lives. What's the puppy's name? What's his canine's name? His uh, canine is Manny, and Manny and I and Carl, our detective, we've been on a couple of different media events, and um, and Manny's gone with us, and a great dog. I mean, just, I mean, you got to give credit to Manny for uh, uh, being out there, too. I understand you're getting a, a new puppy, a German Shepherd. Yeah, in fact, uh, Detective Larimer, one of our other uh, street crimes detectives, went out to California with uh, Tucson PD, actually. Yeah, Jeff. Uh, to give some support on it. Yes, and they went out there, and... Uh, we picked out a dog, so yeah, we're gonna have a new one uh, on our work in our community here real soon. That's awesome. I thank you. I want to thank him, and we'll see you next Friday for sure. But we want to thank him and, and his canine. We're looking forward to have you coming down here, Sherry, and uh, and again, just for all you do for public safety with your radio show uh, and your intro is just amazing. Yes. Do we have some bad actors out there? Yes. But they're few and far between number one and the majority of people that put on that badge do it for the right, right reasons and, and having a balanced voice from you. We appreciate that. And thank you on behalf of law enforcement. Thank you. And have a great weekend. Stay safe. You too, Sherry. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Our, our guest today is calling in from Burke County, Georgia. His name is Eric McCant, and he's a deputy. So tell us a little bit about you. I, uh, You and I talked to each other on LinkedIn, but 
the listeners don't know who you are. So tell them a little bit about you. How what got you into law enforcement? Uh, yes, uh, my name is Eric McCann. I started law enforcement about ten years ago. Uh, I just happened to get in law enforcement because I went off to college. Uh, being seventeen, off to college, I did what most people do. I played, end up getting kicked out of college, and I was just working at one of the local grocery stores in uh, the city I work in, uh, which is Augusta, Georgia. Anyway, it was an officer that was working special duties there. He approached me. He was like, "Hey, maybe you should think about, you know, going to the police academy." And then at that time, my mother was on me, but well, you need to go ahead and get back in school or find something to do, you know, with your career and all that. So eventually, I just, you know, signed up. You know, I didn't pay no mind, but I just figured I'd go through it. So. Went through the police academy, ended up loving it, and like I said, I've been in law enforcement ever since. And like I say, currently I'm working for the Burke County Sheriff's Office in the narcotics as a sergeant. Can you believe the narcotics that Cochise County has stopped coming through this country? It's just, yeah. do you have that issue there as well? I mean, we're a border state. What happens in Georgia? What What is the, the main problem? Uh, well, like I said, we have several different issues going on. Like I said, I'm pretty sure... I know Atlanta area, I mean, which we're like two hours away, they have a big drug problem. Like I said, a lot of air drugs flow through there, but we still have our own problems. Like I said, we're dealing with a battle with methamphetamine. And recently, a lot of people are making fake pills and they're pressing them with fentanyl. That's causing a lot of overdoses in the area that I work in or the surrounding counties. And so we're trying to battle those issues. And like I said, the drug problem is out of control. And like I said, it's hard to say if we can beat it, but like I say, it starts from many different reasons. I've had many people say they've been injured or something, and they'll be on prescription pills, and after that, they'll turn to uh, other drugs, and it just spirals out of control. And like I say, the amount of money that goes into it is what attracts a lot of people into that life. And like I say, it's, it's just an ongoing battle. Now, people don't realize it's so easy. I mean, it, it crosses all thresholds. It's so easy to get hooked on these drugs, especially if you've on pain meds. And, you know, these pills are going to take it away, but it also takes away, you know, your, your self-control, you know, you know, you're not capable of doing things. And yes, some of the things that you do do aren't necessarily legal. <laughs> it's, a bad, mm-hmm. yes, it's a bad thing. Do you, mm-hmm. do you guys wear body cams? Yes, ma'am, we do. Well, in my division, we don't. Like I say, uh, like I, say I work in narcotics, so yeah. we... With, but the road patrol units and every other division they wear. But like I say, if we're going to do something like a search warrant or a takedown, we have our body cameras on. But then in between times when we're doing what we do, that we don't wear body cameras. But our road patrol units wear them all the time. Yeah, I was kind of glad in, in Pima County is, is getting body cameras. I'm glad they do it because there are so many times that law enforcement is accused of doing things that they are not guilty of. And these cameras can help protect them against oh, yes, the bad guys. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, what's what's going on with police reform down there? And what do you what do you think um, the definition of police reform should be? Uh, well, in my area, like I say, we just uh, just haven't had that big of a problem between law enforcement. I say, especially in the county I work for, Burke County, Georgia, we have a pretty good relationship with our citizens. Uh, like I feel, like I say, I know it's problems in law enforcement, but I don't think it's the whole law enforcement in general. We have certain issues that we need to work out, but most of these incidents are just like one incidents out of 100,000 that occur every day, and right. people seem to harp on it, yes. and they feel like, well, since that one incident happened, everything needs to change, and uh, that's what's creating that big division between it. And like I say, like I say, in many cases, in these things that we do see, those officers do need to be punished, but we don't need to be punished seeing the other officers for the actions of one, and that's how I feel about it. But at the same time, Things need to change in law enforcement, but I also say things in the public need to change. As many times, you know, definitely in the videos you see, you know, people are already aggressive towards law enforcement. And at the end of the day, you know, we have to go home. We have to protect our brothers and sisters when we're out there serving. So we could just be able to build a better rapport with the community and law enforcement. I think things would be a little bit better. But, I mean, some things we change, but like a just whole overhaul of the police or law enforcement. Like I say, it's been working for so long, and, yeah, these different incidents come up. But, I mean, we have millions of contacts a day when nothing happens, but no one talks about that. That's when right. you have, like, one or two incidents occur, everybody wants to harp on it, and then be like, well, hey, that's the biggest problem. We need to change it. I mean, because, I mean, we have officers die every day from either getting hit by cars or, like I said, they're involved in gun battles or any other incidents. But, you know, we can't just harp on them like, well, hey, all officers are in danger. We need to stop just responding to, you know, traffic accidents 
or high volume calls or aggressive calls like that. So we still have to do what we have to do. I say that's just don't think that we need to change all law enforcement because of these different incidents that happen across the country. Now, if it was something that's happened daily and it just keeps happening, then yes, we'll have to address the issues. But even now, even with my sheriff, you know, he's not requiring it, but he's pushing more of his officers just to get that training, get uh, a college degree. He's not saying it's going to make you a better officer, but it's going to help you, you know, be able to connect more with other people to be able to build that better rapport. So that's just how I feel about it. Absolutely. Knowledge is power, too. And we just, you know, you're talking about the dangers of the job, just, you know, being hit by a car with somebody who doesn't know what they're doing. And we just lost an officer last week in Nogales. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the ripple effect of situations like this, it's huge. It's huge. It affects everybody. And yes. it's it's a sad situation. And people don't realize, you know, do you... Do you Go out there every day, and you're protecting your family, your local citizens, people you don't know, all the good guys, and the dangers. It's just, you know, answering a domestic violence call. You know, people get upset, and they're like the worst, the worst calls to go on. Mm -hmm, Because they could change quickly. Things change quickly. It changes on a dime, and, you know, do you have a problem out there with drag racing? We've got a problem here with drag racing. Uh, well, we uh, occasionally, but like I said, I live in, well, I work in rural county, so we have about 825 square miles uh, and maybe about 20,000 individuals that live in that county. Uh, we have a drag racing problem, but it's not really a problem. Like, you might you might get a call maybe once a month or twice a month about it, but I know in Atlanta they have a big problem with the drag racing and uh, the motorcycles and uh, the ATVs and, you know, four-wheelers riding down the road, you know, hundreds of them taking up the road and stuff like that, but we just don't have that issue. Yeah, on the way here, on the way to the radio station this morning, two pickup trucks drag racing down Campbell Avenue. I'm just like, we'll find a raceway someplace and, you know, get it out of your system. But doing it on the street is really dangerous. You shouldn't be doing that. No, no. So let's talk about, we talk about police reform and I'm I'm just curious about police reform. It, do you think it's the same all across the country, or do you think there are like some hot spots like Minnesota where they need a little extra training? Well, I don't think it's hot spots. Like I say, most time when you know the way I police my citizens is going to be different for the way a big city officer polices. Like I say, they just deal with different type of people, and that's what some people fail to realize. You know, some places in the country, you know, love law enforcement. Some of them don't. Some of them respect them, but, you know, they just don't trust them like that. But even from coming from a big city like Atlanta or going to police in New York, it's just different how you police people. And I say that's just where people misconceive things. At. And it's hard to say you could train one officer this way and then send them across the country and it's going to work. But that's just not how it is. Like I said, the issues that we deal with and the individuals that we deal with are different from the incidents that people deal with across the country. So... I just think you have to train and give officers knowledge for the area that they're working. Yeah. I mean, that's where you're going to be at. And it, it just, you know, it's just kind of hard to say that you can have officers across the country acting one way that's just not going to work. Now, I'm, I'm from Chicago, and going from Chicago, I made a trip down to New Orleans, and it was a whole different foreign country. <laughs> it is when it came yeah. to I was like, oh my God, you know, this is this is really different than their whole approach to people was so different. And I just didn't, you know, I felt sorry for them because they approached it more of a combative, you know, nature instead of approaching it with, you know, hey, let's settle down and you know, this is what we're gonna do. It was like don't do that. And I'm like, holy cow, you know, you're just inciting a riot here. So, yeah, I think some areas some areas uh, need different training. There's been a lot of talk here about, you know, social workers should be responding to calls. Have you had that over in uh, Georgia? No, well, not in the area that I have. Like I said, uh, basically, like I said, we're a full-service uh, sheriff's department. Like I said, we answer all calls. Uh, we just so happen to uh, create a animal control division. But uh, most calls that we have, we'll answer them. And we need to call somebody else out to the scene or get them in touch with somebody else, we'll, you know, branch them off to who they need to contact to better help their situation. 
Yeah, there was a group of people here that were, you know, well, social workers should be called in, you know, mental health issues. And I'm mm -hmm. thinking, okay, active shooter, you're going to send a social worker in there? Um, yeah, you <laughs> you know, I don't think that's going to work out really well. Mm -hmm. So what do you think we need to do to, to I know all the agencies here are, are hiring, and it, they're having a problem hiring because the quality of candidates isn't there. What do you think we need to do to get good, good quality people on the departments? Well, I'd say just, just across the nation, just the pay, because the amount of, well, the type of work that we do for some of the pay that officers have is just not reasonable. Like you say, you want us to do almost everything. We deal with people at the worst possible times. We see some of the worst things. And like I say, we're supposed to, you know, calm people down. If they have to, we have to, you know, put hands on, we're supposed to gain control over them, and we're supposed to calm them down again. But then you have people that's, even in Georgia, that's making like $9, $10 an hour, working 12-hour shifts. Uh, pay would be another way to attract better candidates. Like I say, you can't attract good people with bad pay. I mean, you're going to have some officers that do it just because they love it. But, I mean, the pay, that's why a lot of people are just leaving. Like I say, I know a couple people in the area that I work in, they're leaving just to become truck drivers. You know, truck drivers make a pretty good, decent living. Yep, they do. They don't have to deal with, deal with the stress of law enforcement, even though they love the job. But, you know, at the end of the day, if they pay a little bit better, you might can keep these people on. I'm not saying you have to pay us a million dollars or anything like that. But, but it I would be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be nice. Yes, man. But I still think that the pay is another thing. And I also like to say more training. Like I said, I know some places can have training year-round. They have training departments. But then, like I said, you have rural departments. That All they could do is just, for their budget, is just train the officer on the minimum required standards. Like I said, that just all comes back to pay and budgets and all that stuff and more money going to the police department. Because, you know, some departments don't have much equipment. They're only able to run an officer for a certain amount of time. Then they got to turn over to the county or the state. And at the end of the day, this just all comes down to pay. Yeah, pretty much does. And, you know, for the job that they do and the dangers that you're putting people in, we really need to pay them a lot more money. And that includes, yeah. you know, local law enforcement here in Arizona. And people will get go to the academy, get trained, and then they'll they'll find an agency that, you know, will pay but make better pay, and they'll move. And you can't blame yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So you're right about that. Did you say that they make ten dollars an hour there? What did you? Yeah, say? Some agencies, some some of the smaller agencies, like I say, they might only have like a chief and maybe four officers or eight officers, and like I say, the pay is just not good. Oh my god! Because yeah, when I first started, uh, I was making right at ten dollars and fifty cent. I said, I'm pretty sure the department pays a little bit better now. It might be up to like thirteen, fourteen dollars, but. But like I say, and that's one thing I tell people, the cost of living and all that, but still $10, I don't care where you're at in the country, being a police officer, yeah, I mean, that's hard to function on. That's, that's insane. You put your life on the line for minimum wage. That's insane. You can't expect people to do that. Mm -hmm. But they do. Yes, ma'am, they do. So let's talk about this drug situation. I've had uh, DEA on several times in the last several months and i've learned so much from them did you know the mexican cartels because they can't make a real profit growing marijuana anymore that they've switched their their crops to avocados so if you buy avocados that were shipped up from mexico you're probably supporting the cartel no i haven't heard about that yeah so Every time I buy an avocado, I look to see, are you California? Are you Mexico? Where are you from? And I won't buy them if they're from Mexico. I just can't do it. So remember that next time you'll order guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of equipment do you have? What kind of car do you have? I remember driving through Georgia. Oh, this was years ago. And they had this Corvette on the road, on the highway, because I was on the highway. And, you know, Sheriff's Department, Corvette. And I'm like, oh, my God, look at that. They must be making some good money down here. What's up with that? Well, sometimes, like, a lot of departments, like, if they, you know, have a drug case or something, they'll seize cars and vehicles, and then they can use those. Once they win the court, they can use those as patrol cars if they choose to do that. So, like I say, I've seen departments that have, like, Lamborghini and stuff, and that's basically coming from when they've seized stuff, like, from different cases, and they'll use it in that aspect. 
I would probably speed just so I could be pulled over by a Lamborghini. Pull me over. <laughs> this is so cool. Can I take pictures? <laughs> That's awesome. Have you been able to drive around in any of those vehicles? Uh, no, ma'am. I mean, like, we'll seize cars and we'll use them for the work that we do, but like I said, it's nothing high-profile like that. <laughs> Usually it's uh, show-and-tell, isn't it? Look what we got yes, because you were a bad person. Yeah, like this vehicle was purchased by drugs or, you know. Yeah. This vehicle seized by your local drug dealer, stuff like that. So police reform, hopefully police reform will will be education and, and not necessarily defunding the police like a lot of people are saying, oh, defund the police. In fact, I think I read on the news somewhere an agency did defund their police department. What yeah, you, that, that wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> and I wonder why crime is running rampant in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break. I want you to stay with me. When we'll yes, talk ma'am. on the other side. This is Nathan Chabin, producer for Law Matters. I have a goal to reach and I need your help. I want to put the DEA out of business. That's right, the Drug Enforcement Agency. If you have an addiction problem or know someone who does, please reach out to lawmatters1030.org and click the DEA tab for more information. Reaching out is the first step. We have the resources if you have the will. You can beat this demon and help me put the Drug Enforcement Agency out of business. Hi, this is Sherry inviting you to join Law Matters live show every Saturday morning at 8. On our next show, Dr. Jennifer Miller and attorney Russell Zarku talk about your five wishes and wills, what we need to know. So get your questions ready and call in at 790-2040. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and please support our mission at lawmatters1030.org. Until then, stay safe. Daylight is fading and the temperature is dropping. You are not only cold, hungry, and lost in a densely wooded area, you're injured. Time is of the essence. Sarsi is a highly trained team of dedicated volunteers who work closely with Pima County Search and Rescue to help people in critical situations just like this. To join an exclusive team of heroes, go to sarsi.org. That's S-A-R-C-I.org. We need your knowledge, experience, and of course, your generous spirit. To report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. Thank you for staying with us. Our guest today is Eric McCant, who is a deputy with the Burke County, Georgia Sheriff Department. And we've just been talking about all kinds of things. Um, do you have search and rescue down there? You talk about the fire department? Okay. Our sheriff department has a search and rescue team. No, actually, uh, a lot of times like, we have a whole bunch of body of waters around uh, the county and like I say we have a fire of uh, dive team uh, but most times like if something happens if we got like a missing juvenile or we need to find an elderly person they'll send the sheriff's department out there and like I say we have drones and different equipment to help us get access to those people. Yeah I was going to ask you if you had drones. We have um, yes, do you have aircraft like helicopters no, no. or airplanes? No what will happen if we need uh, a helicopter we'll call our state agent which is Georgia State Patrol and then they'll put a, a helicopter up if they can, if they're nearby, and they'll assist us. Well, that's cool. At least you have backup. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we've got search and rescue. In fact, they're going to be coming in here in about 30 minutes to do some recordings to remind people to stay safe and stuff. But I saw a bumper sticker on a car yesterday, and it said, support search and rescue, get lost. And I thought, oh, okay, job security. So, <laughs> yeah. So, what else goes on? Because, you know, it's it's not the same all the way across the country. Every area mm-hmm. has their own, you know, problems and, and pros and cons. What else goes on down there that we in the Wild West don't deal with? Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we deal with all the same thing. Like I said, we have a small uh, issue with gang problems. And like I say, in the bigger 
communities, you know, like Augusta or Atlanta, Savannah, they have a bigger problem with gangs. And then, like I said, you have drugs and you have thefts. Because, uh, like I said, we're uh, in our county, we have a nuclear plant called Plant Vogel, and it's currently being built. Like I said, they built a couple of the reactors, but they're building more. Uh, and like I said, a lot of people have RVs and stuff, and then you'll just have certain groups come to these RV parks and start, you know, breaking into RVs, stealing, you know, firearms, money, wherever they can. You have those issues, and like I said, you always have the drug issues. And uh, I don't know how big murders and stuff are down there. Like, we don't have too many in our community, but I mean, we're average maybe two or three a year. Oh but wow! Then you you might go to Augusta, and they may average about forty, fifty. But you go to Atlanta, and I know that number is way above that. So I mean, it's it's not a really bad community that we live in. I mean, you're going to have your problems that all communities have, but it just not be to that magnitude because we're kind of a rural county, so we're running about. We might run about twenty, thirty calls a day, oh. compared to like other agencies that's going to run, you know, over close to a thousand. But it just depends on you know the area that you live in and work in. What about human trafficking? Is that an issue down there? Now in the area I work in, no. But uh, I I hear about it. Like I say, we know we border uh, Augusta, Georgia, which is home of the Masters. You know, you hear people talk about it when the Masters come in, yeah. and, you know, they bring in these certain different individuals that might be human trafficking. But, like I said, we haven't personally dealt with any of that in the county I work in, but I know they say Atlanta's a hub for a lot of that stuff. Well, your county sounds like a place everybody should move to. It's nice and peaceful. Nobody's getting killed. I mean, you know, Chicago is, not that it's a competition, but Chicago, <laughs> Chicago has got a murder rate that would, you know, knock your socks off. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of a sad situation. But, yeah, the gangs, we've got gang problems here. And, you know, they like to write graffiti all over the place, which always fascinates me. And it's like you're writing on the walls what you're going to do. Mm. <laughs> you know, not too bright. Have you heard of the uh, P3 phone app? No, ma'am. Okay, if you if you go online and look at it, and it's on our website too on lawmatters1030.org, it's a P3 phone app, and it's you can report to any law enforcement agency if you see something going on, and it keeps you anonymous. Mm-hmm. And it's it's put out by what's the name of that or not not eighty eight crime. I can't remember the name of the organization that actually put it out, but it it works internationally, and you can actually be texting to law enforcement, telling them about something that's going on currently. Take pictures, send them in. It's a great anonymous source for people to be able to turn in bad guys, and you can potentially earn a reward for doing it. So check it out. It's P3 phone app. Okay. And maybe somebody, somebody will call in and tell me what the name of the crime stoppers, crime stoppers international. Okay. I get they, you. Yeah. They developed it and it's just a great resource for people to know that, you know, you can get involved without having your name out there. And that yeah, also means that, yeah, if you give law enforcement all this evidence, you don't have to go to court and testify. So it's kind of a cool thing. Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, earn some money in the process. Yes, ma'am. So I had um, DEA on, and they were talking about um, El Chapo being in prison, and apparently his wife is also in prison. Has his wife been in prison someplace on the East Coast, too? So she, he, she's in your area. Has that had any effect on the drug situation in your county? Uh, no, ma'am. Like I said, at the end of the day, we still want to have drugs coming through. Uh, I know, like I say, the, what we deal with the most, you know, you're going to have marijuana, but what we deal with the most right now is methamphetamine. And like I said, that just seems like the drug of choice for a lot of people. And like I say, it's just, it's just easily accessed and it doesn't cost that much. And like I say, heroin is making a, a comeback, but, you know, back in the day, heroin costs a little bit more than uh, methamphetamine and methamphetamine is so cheap to get and that's what we deal with a lot so we have that coming in and out of our county at all times it's just one of the issues that you know you try to combat but between the methamphetamine and then like I say you have these pills that people are you know they're thinking they get like regular you know oxycodone or something like that but people are lacing them with fentanyl and stuff like that and that's you know creating these drug overdoses that a lot of people are battling in different uh, communities so they're playing Russian roulette with their bodies yes ma'am they don't really know what they're getting, but, you know, 
when someone's drug at it, you just want to chase that high. And, you know, it, like I tell people, I say that's one of the hardest things to, to battle is a drug addiction. And, yeah, you want to get them stopped. And, like I say, sometimes arresting them is the best key. But even if they be arrested, you got to have some kind of some programming in, in place for them. But like I say, once you arrest them, they get big out, they're going to go look for that high again. So it's just one of those constant battles that you, that you deal with. Well, that's one thing I have to say about Pima County and Arizona as a whole. We have so many drug rehabilitation programs. There is absolutely no excuse to be hooked on drugs and to be an addict in today's today's world. They have put so many programs out there. And I've heard the excuse, well, I don't have any insurance. Well, you don't need insurance. They will find a way to get you clean if you want to be clean. Do they have programs out there in Georgia? Yes, man. They have uh, different programs where you can go to rehabilitation centers that are taking you in, uh, try to help you kick that curve or that urge that you have for the drug. Uh, some people take advantage of it. I've seen people, and then like also uh, in the county I work for, we have a program called Drug Court where they'll put individuals in it. It's basically like a almost like part of your probation. Like you got to report it, and you got to take drug tests, you know, periodically. Make sure you do what you do. Then after you finish with it, you know. They help you, you know, get like jobs and different stuff like that you finish. But at the end of the day, it's just going to be if a person wants to do it or not. Yeah, that's that's the biggest part of it is, you know, you have to be willing and able to fight it. And, you know, I, I've heard I've never been hooked on drugs, so I don't know. But I've heard it's like a, a daily battle. Even after you've, you're clean, you still have an urge and you have to fight it daily. And that's... You know, you've got to be a strong person. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And I tell a lot of people that even when you are trying to get clean, the best thing I can say is those trying to remove yourself from the area that you're in that, you know, tempted you or where you used to. Okay, a lot of people, I mean, sometimes they don't have the means, too. they got to go back home or they got to go back to the people that are still using drugs. And I know that's going to be a, a hard battle to fight when you got people around you doing the thing that you want to do, but you're trying to resist to do. So it's just one of those constant battles that people have to go through. Yeah, you're trying to dig out and, you know, the people around you are pulling you back in. That's not a good thing. You yeah, know, yeah. you worked really hard to get off of it and get clean. Do what it takes, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Do what it takes to remove yourself from the situation and make something of your life. Yes, ma'am. That's crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So, other than the fact that we both have drug problems... And we both have human trafficking problems a little bit. What else is, is going on in Georgia that we can compare to the Wild West? Have you been to Tucson? No, ma'am, I haven't. Where have you been? What areas have you gone to? Just mostly in the southeast, between South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, Alabama, just those areas. You're staying, staying close to home. Do you guys have canines? Yes, ma'am. And... and I understand that because they've legalized marijuana. Is it legal in Georgia? No, marijuana is still legal in Georgia. Good. <laughs> we made the mistake of legalizing it, and you saw what happened in Colorado. Nobody learned their lesson. So it makes a difference, and I understand the canines are being trained to do different things other than the marijuana yeah. thing. So what are your canines trained in? Well, it's still training in marijuana, but then you have like methamphetamine, uh, coke, cocaine, uh, heroin, and uh, that. But then you also have, you know, we have a cadaver dog, which looks for uh, body parts. Um, it's just like if a person, you know, goes missing or something like that, or they've been dead, they can, you know, put them in a field or something like that, and then they're, you know, trained to go find body parts, and maybe help, you know, recover a body that's been missing or whatever. And also you have bomb dogs. Like I say, we don't have one well we have one but we don't really use it like that we haven't had that type of you know incident to occur and then additionally most of our dogs that we have are tracking dogs so like say if a person takes off running from us or a juvenile walks off from their residence or an elderly person walks off from their living home they'll send the canine out they'll you know get what they need to get you know sniff the area they need to send then they'll go track the person down but they don't bite them do they when they, no, find, no, no, no. <laughs> when they find them chomp a got you that's funny. Okay, so you've you've really got a bunch of the same things that we have, but I understand our dogs are being retrained and, and DEA are retraining their dogs to do different types of things rather than the marijuana because, mm -hmm. you know, they made it legal and that's a huge mistake. 
Yeah. And, you know, when you think about the, the problems that getting involved with drugs, they say, oh, it's legal. It's not legal. Federally, it's still not legal. And I, I don't think it should be legal because it's just a stepping stone. Is that how you feel about it? Yes, but I, actually, I just feel like once they make marijuana legal or all that, sooner or later they're going to, like, I've heard some areas trying to make a push for, like, things like methamphetamine and those drugs to be legal, too. I just feel like they're going to try to piggyback off that. I've heard in some areas that, you know, of the country that if you catch them out with methamphetamine, all you do is write them a ticket and let them go. I know in Georgia, that's a felony. Like, so you're going to jail for that. But it just, you know, like I say, different areas, you deal with different things. But I know you can't just keep locking everybody up for, you know, small amounts of methamphetamine. But that was just a crazy thing that I heard. But I just feel like once you start legalizing one, you're going to start making a push for everything to be legal. And like I said, that's just going to spiral downhill. And one thing I tell everybody that no matter what drug it is, that when people are, you know, moving drugs, a lot of problems come with it. You're going to have firearms, you're going to have violence, and everything else that comes along with it, whether it's legal or not. It's most times, like, you might have it legal in one state, they're going to try to ship it to another state, then you're going to create more issues. Yeah, because it won't be necessarily legal in that state, and you shouldn't be shipping them anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't understand why they think everything should be legal. They, you When you're driving, and marijuana stays in your system for a long time, and it depends on what they put in it, could stay in your system for weeks. And if you're out there driving or handling heavy equipment, you're endangering yourself and the people around you, because you're not really t- together, you know, and they've they've done tests, they've proved it, and why they would legalize that and then have somebody get in a three-ton car and drive down the road, it makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't get it, and I'm glad Georgia hasn't legalized it yet. Yes, ma'am. At least one state is sane. <laughs> I mean, most of the states around... The areas I live in, they have legalized it, but you know they're always making a push for it. So, whether it happens, it might, then it might not. You just never know. Yeah, it, it probably will eventually, but you know, fight it while you can. And we did, and you know, we fought it for several elections, and then we lost. <laughs> <laughs> so now we've got problems, and you know, I can't help but wonder because of the drag racing, broad daylight. Two Chevy Camaros, one red, one one blue. The red one had new tags on it. One thirty in the afternoon, racing down the street, zigzagging in traffic. And I thought, you know, are you high? <laughs> you know, yeah. what are you doing? And that's really an issue we have here is drag racing. And people have no consideration for, you know, the people around them. They just, I don't know, the thrill of the drive, I don't know. Crazy. You know, I've seen videos across the country of people, you know, drag racing or either have like those, the hundreds and hundreds of motorcycles going in and out of traffic, blocking people off, doing, you know, wheelies and, you know, stuff in the middle of the roads and then just creating dangerous situations. Do you know where Waycross, Georgia is? I, I believe it's in South Georgia. I heard of it, but I, I've never been there. I went through there. We went to uh, Daytona for Bike Week. One year, and we went through Waycross, Georgia. Had to make a stop there. Really nice place. Everybody was really nice there. It was it was a pleasant visit. And that's my memory okay. of Georgia. Other than the fact that every time I flew in um, into Atlanta, somehow they kept my luggage. Yeah. I always <laughs> on my way to Florida, they'd stop in Atlanta take my luggage and keep it, and I'd end up with no luggage when I got to my destination. That's my other memory. Tell me about any interesting bus cases you've done. Do you have anything you can talk about that isn't uh, currently on, on trial? Oh, yeah. Well, I, uh, before I went over to narcotics, like I, said, I worked on road patrol down there in the crime suppression team. Uh, I had one incident come up where uh, I stopped the truck for a vehicle violation. Uh Ended up talking to the driver of the vehicle, got him out. You know, I did my own spill, uh, got consent to search the vehicle. Uh, went back to get the pastor who was in the vehicle, was talking to him. Then I noticed like an empty bag of what looked like a powder substance. So I talked to him, and then he informed me that when I was back there talking to the driver, he had sniffed a little bump of cocaine. I was like, I said, say what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I went ahead. You know, I wasn't getting in trouble, so I went ahead and did a line of cocaine. Uh, 
okay. So I took my custody in, and he had, like, different drugs, and the car had pills, a firearm, marijuana, cocaine in the car, too, and I said they both were taken into custody. But I was thinking, like, wow, that's that was the best thing you could think of was to go ahead and just sniff it while I'm talking to your partner. <laughs> that's insane. And see what I'm telling you? When you're on drugs, you don't do normal things. That's yeah. not normal. Yeah, you do some crazy things. Like I say, I've seen people do crazy things to avoid getting in trouble or being held responsible for their actions. So what's the biggest case you've ever ever busted? Uh, well, actually, uh, so we had different cases of narcotics that we've done, but like I said, on Road Patrol, I just happened to stop two guys you know, traveling from Florida heading to uh, South Carolina, I was able to pull them over, you know, for vehicle violation. Ended up talking to them, getting them out. Uh, asked for consent to search the vehicle. They wouldn't let me, so I had to call my partner from another county who was working that night to bring his canine. But uh, got a hit on the vehicle with the canine. They had just, just 10 pounds in the trunk of the vehicle. Uh, another call that I had was a guy. He was walking down the road with his flashlight out, so I went to talk to him, make sure he was all right. He was like, well, yeah, my car is out of gas. So I said, you know, I'll help you. I'll take you to the gas station. So he said his little cousin was in the vehicle. And, you know, he wanted him to ride, so I went to go get the little cousin out of the vehicle. And when I did that, I could smell marijuana coming from the vehicle. Anyway, I didn't say anything to him at that time. We went to the gas station, got him some gas, brought him back. At that time, I turned into a traffic stop. Like, hey, man, smell marijuana coming out of your vehicle. There's anything in the vehicle I didn't know about. Well, he told me there was a little bit of marijuana in there. So, anyway, I called my partners in there. We searched the vehicle. He just happens to have eight ounces of methamphetamine in the vehicle along with the marijuana. And also, he had some kind of fit money in his pocket. And I was thinking, like, you know, you got this drugs in your car. You're going to ask the police officer to take you to go get gas? I mean, I would have just kept walking if I knew I had that on me. But I guess he thought he was going to be able to get through. Wow. People do strange things. You know, they, they have, I think there's a, a website talking about the stupid criminals and the things that they do. I mm-hmm. think you could you could add your cases to that. <laughs> yeah, I said we, we we deal with strange ones now. You say you have some strange people do some strange things, but like I said, that's just part of the job. Like I say, you'll see some everything out here. So, when you went to college, what did you get your degree in? Uh, well, I got my bachelor's and master's both in criminal justice. One's in justice and administration. That's my master's degree, and then my bachelor's degree is just in criminal justice. Isn't it amazing how after you've spent a few years out in the world? You decide, hey, maybe college isn't such a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, it helps a lot. Like I said, man, uh, I went to college, getting off right out of high school. I just wasn't ready for it. Uh, then I went off to be a law enforcement, you know, stop being a police officer. Then, like I said, my, my sheriff, who was actually my instructor in the academy, always told me, like, hey, man, you need to go ahead and just get your degree. It just helps you out, you know, helps you do better with your work and also looks better on your resume. So I went ahead and got my bachelor's degree. Like I said, I enjoy going through the process. I mean, I was a procrastinator, I mean, but it helped me learn how to write papers quickly because, you know, I used to wait till the last minute. But it also <laughs> helped elevate my career. And then he told me, like, well, you know, certain things you want to do. Like, I always want to become a state or federal agent, law enforcement agent. And I also wanted to teach law enforcement or criminal justice. So he told me to go ahead and get my master's degree. So about two years ago, I went ahead, just went ahead, went through the process and got my master's degree. So hopefully in the near future, I'll be able to get a state law enforcement or a federal law enforcement job and be able to teach back at the academies, too. Hey, they're hiring out here. Okay. Yeah, you should come out here and apply. All the agencies are hiring. The FBI, DEA, Border Patrol. Border Patrol has an amazing academy. They train out in um, New Mexico, and they'll teach you a foreign language, Spanish, because we're down here. Um, Mm -hmm. So when you get out, you, you will speak Spanish. Do you speak any foreign languages? I can speak a little French. I took French when I was in high school, and I say that's I know a little bit. A little bit. You have to get that Babbel program and brush up on your French too. Yeah, <laughs> it could do nothing but help, right? Yeah, that's all it could do. I'm not really good at it. It's been so long since I even used it. Yeah, partly vu français. Bonjour. That's about all I can get you. There you go. <laughs> See, we're cruising. <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm serious. All the agencies here are are hiring. You should consider moving to Arizona. We could use somebody really awesome like you. You sound like an awesome person. I appreciate that. Yeah, I, said, I don't know. My wife won't deal with that heat, but I mean, we have heat over here in Georgia. But I here it gets up to 110 sometime over there. Well, yes, 110, 118 after 100. What difference does it make? 
It's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, fried tomatoes. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it gets a little warm, but it doesn't last long. And once monsoon hits, and usually July 4th at 4 o'clock, it's going to rain, and, you know, it cools everything off. So, I and <laughs> John is, is in the... Um, control room and he just put up a, a sign here it says did you get kicked out of school he did when he was little <laughs> he was 17 isn't that what you said you got kicked out of yeah, college yeah. yeah i went to college like i said i was uh i was just young like i, said, I just stopped going to classes started partying and stuff like that then you know, i had to academically for well, the academically withdrew me from school and then like i, said, I went to <laughs> start working at a local grocery store and then, uh, like I say, I talked to that law enforcement officer who was working there, and then I ended up, you know, my mother kept telling me, you need to do something. So I was like, let me go ahead and just try this. And I fell in love with it, and, you know. Got to listen to your mama. Yes, yeah, she knows best. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, what? they do over in England. My, my family's in England, most of them anyway. And they have what they call a leap year. When you get out of high school, you don't go right into college. You have a leap year, a year where you have to, you know, like experience life and figure out what you want to do. And I think they should do that here because it makes sense. I mean, yeah. you know, 17, 18 year olds are in college playing house and it doesn't work out well. And, no. you know, they need, they need a little time to decide what you want to do with your life. My nephew got a, a his degree in journalism and he hates it. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's how it is sometimes, I think. Sometimes it takes you a while to figure out what your, uh, what your mission is. Exactly. So do you have officers in the schools down there like we do? Yes, ma'am. Uh, one thing about the sheriff, when he came down, uh, they're they're connected to the sheriff's office, but they're dedicated to the school system, so each school has an officer. Uh, actually, I worked for the school system as my job right before I came down to the sheriff's office because my sheriff was the chief of police over the school system in Richard County. So, yes, I work in that capacity also. But, yeah, we, we have officers uh, in each high school and middle school. It, do you think it makes a difference having somebody there that, you know, can mentor? Yes, ma'am. It gives, you know, kids opportunity to connect with officers, you know, build a rapport, you know. Because, you know, most time they just see what they, you know, see on TV or what they experience in the neighborhood and they think, you know, get that. You know, preconceived notion that all officers are bad. And also, having an officer in school, it deters a lot of people from things that might happen. Like, kids might decide they want to fight, or they might decide they want to break weapons school, but they'd be like, okay, well, I know Officer Jackson or Officer, you know, McCann's is at school. I'm not going to be able to do that. So, you know, I think it's a deterrence, too. Yeah, I think they should talk about this P3 phone app in the schools. I think they'd learn a lot more about what's going on if they could text it, report it, and stay anonymous. I think a lot of things would be fewer school shootings. You know, a lot of things would be toned down a little bit if if police had access to this type of information. So, yeah. I want you I'm going to send you this this app information because I think I just think it's a cool system to be able yeah, to, I you know. Yeah, I, absolutely and I think all the schools should be, you know, have all kids not just in school. Everybody should have this P3 app on their telephone. Is yeah, there just something? A lot of people don't want to. They don't want to. Like they might have information, but they don't want to come forward because you know they don't want to be involved in the case. So that if they could remain anonymous, that that would help tremendously. Absolutely, and they're afraid to go to court and testify against somebody because there's a retaliation somewhere. You mm -hmm. don't have to worry about it now because this app will help you save somebody else's life. Do you have 911 down there? That's a national number, John. John's asking, is there a 911 local number? Well, we have a 911 center uh, in the county that I work in, but also we have a, a number that's connected to the sheriff's office. But we all, our 911 center, we just created a new one where the fire, EMA, and sheriff department all work in one area in the same building and they're all connected together. So when you call 911, it'll go to them, and then they get dispatched to correct people. So it kind of cuts down on the response time. But, you know, if you have a 911 call come in, then, you know, maybe EMA answers it. It's a law enforcement call. they got to put the person on hold, transfer them over to law enforcement, explain what's going on, and then see what they can do. So we have a, a 911 HC that, you know, basically handles everything and dispatches calls for us. Well, that makes sense. It 
kind of slows down the, you know, process or makes mm -hmm. it faster, actually, because, you know, you've got one person to talk to and they'll call kind of like this P3 app that works internationally. Um, it will go to whatever the local agency is and they've got people answering those phones. I don't know where they are, but they do have people answering those phones. So okay. words of wisdom. What do you want our listeners to know about Georgia other than you're going to be leaving there and coming to Arizona to be working mm -hmm. law enforcement here? Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding in case your boss is listening. <laughs> I don't want to get well, you no, in trouble. He always told me, he always says, man, you know, better yourself, man. You know, always make a better career for yourself. Well, maybe he wants to come with you. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to do the heat. <laughs> <laughs> You just might. You never know. <laughs> so words of wisdom. What, what would you want our young people today? Because it seems like getting quality people is, is really difficult. What would you want to tell the young people today about a career in law enforcement? Uh, honestly, I truly believe it's going to be one of the best, you know, occupations that you could ever be involved in. I mean, so many things you could do in law enforcement, like say, you know, most jobs, you're going to do one job and then that's going to be it. But in law enforcement, you might have one job that you might not like, but you can go to a different uh, division or a different sector and you'll be doing totally different things. I mean, yeah, right now, the media perception of us is pretty bad, but it's still one of the best professions that you could ever be involved in. Like I say, you might like traffic, you have a traffic division, you might like narcotics, you do narcotics, you want to do community service, you have that. You want to do undercover work, you have all of that, and you could do that all while working on law enforcement. And like I say, at the end of the day, if you choose to be in law enforcement, if you feel like things are not going right, you can be part of the change. If you feel like things need to be better or build a better rapport with the public, I always tell people if you feel like your community doesn't trust law enforcement, become a police officer. You can be that bridge yes. between law enforcement and the community and building that rapport that we need to continue going forward. So I always say law enforcement is always going to be the best occupation that you ever can be. Uh, I just hope we can get more better quality candidates coming into the uh, law enforcement so that we can keep pushing forward and keeping our community safe. Keeping the good guys good and the bad guys in jail. Yes, ma'am. That, <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's an amazing career, and it's not 9 to 5 where you're doing the same thing every day. Every day is different. And mm -hmm. if you get bored easily, this is the job for you. And mm -hmm. you're doing a public service, helping people. And it's not all, you know, good guys, bad guys. Sometimes you help people, community service things. You know, we've got some amazing officers here who really go above and beyond and do some things that they don't necessarily have to do, but they do it because they're compassionate about their community and they want their community to be good. Yes, ma'am. Eric, I want to thank you for, you yeah. didn't get up early. I got up early. You, <laughs> <laughs> I thank you for coming on and, and talking to us and telling us what's going on in Georgia on the east coast of uh, our country. And next time you're in Arizona, give a shout. We'll have you in the studio. And, yes, you know, we've got a lot of things here that you could see. The Tombstone, the Grand Canyon. I'll introduce you to our sheriff's. So you can transfer okay. in. And until next week, I want everybody to shop local and stay safe.